Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. I usually read out of the New Living, but through this series, I'm going to read out of the New American Standard because it's a little more precise with the Greek, so we're going to go with that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 says this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. As we kind of started to talk about last week, uh, part of a larger body of teaching that Jesus gave. One day Jesus was walking out on the hillside and, and as he went up onto the mountain, a bunch of people followed him, as which was often the case, and, and they began to, to congregate around and Jesus sat down and the Bible says that he opened his mouth and he began to teach them and, and he gave us in that session what we have recorded as the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 through about chapter 8. Now, in that discussion, Jesus gives us probably the most complete rendering of all the things that he thought and believed. It's, it's the most complete teaching that Jesus gave. And again, different people throughout the years have responded to the Sermon on the Mount in different ways. Some have said, this is everything we need to follow Jesus, or at least to have a happy life. If we could just do all of the things that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, then our lives would be complete. We would be perfect followers of Yahweh. We would be perfect followers of God. And others have said, well, the standard that Jesus sets in the Sermon on the Mount is so high and so lofty that there's no way anybody could ever really do all that he says we should do in that. And so they've said, no, this is just a picture of what life will look like someday. When Jesus comes again and his kingdom comes in fullness. And so they kind of just dismiss it as such. I believe that it is what it is. It is a teaching from Jesus that we have been commanded. We have. All of Scripture, especially places where Jesus is teaching, is for us to take and to implement and to put into our lives. And I've just lost myself. There I am again. Was that me or was that you? Malachi does not know, so we'll just go forward. Anyway, so Jesus gave us this body of teaching, and his intent was to instruct the people of his day as well as the people of our day. That it's not enough to look good on the outside. Jesus was dealing with the religion about their external righteousness while on the inside they were kind of filthy rags. And so he goes on and he talks about what the believer should look like from the inside out. Within this body of teaching that we know as the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11, or 3 through 12, pardon me, is a smaller group of teachings that we call the Beatitudes. And there's a reason we call them the Beatitudes. It has to do with the the translation of the word. But long story short, these verses are a description of how a person can literally live with a sense of inner joy and peace and happiness, so to speak, even if the surroundings, even if the circumstances of their lives are not necessarily conducive to that. Uh, In other words, Jesus is giving his disciples then and us today a description of the inner life of the person who can live in this world successfully with all of its twists and turns without letting the circumstances of life ruin their lives. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I think we need help with this today because life is hard, amen? Life is hard, amen? Life was hard before COVID, amen? And life with COVID is even harder. I mean, think about all the challenges that we have. And and to be perfectly honest, we think our generation is the first one to struggle. But I got to tell you, life during the time of Jesus wasn't any picnic either. Back then, they dealt with the fact that the Romans had come in and taken over their lands and they were essentially living under the authority of an oppressive nation. And they had some... 
today. There was oppression, there was poverty, there was uh, prejudice. There were all of these issues that we have today back then. And then you throw on top of that in our day and age a disease that nobody really knows what to do with as evidenced by the fact that our numbers are still so high even though we're vaccinating everybody. And it just makes for a mess. I think we need help with this. The world that we're living in today is like an emotional roller coaster. It seems like day to day we're up and then we're down. We need Jesus' words. I believe that his words to the people of his day as, as to the words of, of or to the people of our day have the same meaning and we need to take them to heart. The, the, verse 4, the one that we talked about today, the one that I, I read earlier, sorry, we haven't talked about it yet, the one that I read earlier does give me a little problem though. It has me puzzled to some degree because there's some words in here that are opposites that he puts together. Blessed, for instance, and mourn. What does blessed mean? In its simplest form, it means happy. In its more extended form, if you dig in, it has to do with this sense of happiness that goes deep into your life that is not affected by the things that are happening around you. But you take the word happy and mourn in the same sentence, and those generally aren't words we put together. Can I, can I, is, is that make sense to you? Is, is it, are we in agreement? When I've lost loved ones and I've been mourning their loss, happiness is not necessarily the way I would describe myself in that moment. Most of us understand that happiness and mourning generally are not thought of together. And yet Jesus says, happy are those, blessed are those, joyful are those who mourn. Is Jesus crazy? Is he finally lost it? Is he out of touch with reality? Is he just not understanding real human life? Well, I believe he did. But I think there's more to the story. And if we dig in a little bit, we're going to find it. After some research and and some thought and some prayer, I I can say this. I believe that mourning is an emotional response to loss, losing something. Now, I'm not not talking about frivolous things like, you know, athletics and things like that. How many of you get upset when the Detroit Lions lose? We probably don't anymore, right? Because it's just such a normal thing. You know, but I know some people that have mourned the loss of their quarterback. You know, Stafford went to another place. A lot of people think, nope, we should have kept him, so they're mourning that loss. Those are frivolous things. That's not the kind of losses I'm talking about. Experience, of, of course, in the, in the extreme, when we lose a loved one. That is a loss, and it's something that we mourn and we grieve through. In fact, so much so that that particular instance, that the grieving that, that goes along with a loved one being lost, psychologists and counselors have formulated steps and, and a process that people can kind of walk through to help them to overcome that sense of loss that you feel when someone that you love is taken from this earth. And certainly that's the most extreme loss that many of us may ever feel. But there are other things that cause a sense of loss in our lives. What about the loss of a job? Some of you love your job and you love your career. And if that were taken from you, it would leave a vacancy in your life, a hole. You would feel a sense of loss and you would mourn. Quite frankly, even some people that I know that didn't necessarily like their jobs and and looked forward to retirement for 30 years... They finally get to retirement and you talk to them a few months later and they're like, I just don't know what to do with myself. I'm kind of depressed. I'm kind of down. I I thought that I would love retirement, but there's this giant hole in my life that I just don't know how to fill. I've talked to several people that have retired and they feel that way. It doesn't change my mind. I'm still thinking about retirement, like soon. Just kidding. I'm not really, but I would love to someday. 
But, but it's, it's a void that is left in their souls, and they mourn the loss of that, even if it's something. Loss of financial security, and I, I realize that means different things to different people. Um, some of my kids, you know, if they got five bucks in their pocket, they think they're financially secure. Amen? Some of us, you know, living week to week off our paycheck. As long as we know that paycheck's still coming, we feel financially secure. And yet I know some other people who, unless they have like six months or a year and a half worth of bills sacked away in a savings account somewhere, they don't feel financially secure. You know, the, the sky is falling if they don't have two died, you know. It, you know, our level of security may be different, but there's one thing that is certain. Over the last couple of years, some of us have seen our sense of financial security kind of gone, and that really freaks people out. There is a sense of loss that goes along with that. What about the loss of, of our health or something that we're able to do? When I um, hurt my back a while back, and even lately during COVID, I haven't been able to do some of the things that I always like to do or always have been able to do. And that, that is a sense of loss. When I hurt my back, I had to ask my kids to help me carry the softener salt down in the basement. You know how embarrassing that is? Those are 40-pound bags, man. I used to be able to carry three of them at a time. Okay, not really. But, you know, I used to, that was no problem for me. And when you're looking at the fact that when you're walking down the stairs, your back could spasm and you could die falling down the stairs, you kind of got to give that up. Listen, I, I always wondered why my parents, as they grew older, were so, like, irritable and weird about me helping them out. Like, they never wanted my help. Let me come over and help you with that. Let me do that for you. Let me help you out. And they always like, no, I can take it. I can handle it. And if they ever had to have me do something, it just made them really depressed. I never understood that. Well, I know now why. It's because they're experiencing a sense of loss in the sense that they can no longer take care of themselves the way that they always did. And you know what? Some of us younger people who are middle-aged need to cut our parents some slack and, and understand that they're mourning that So there's this sense of loss. What about the loss of the freedoms that we once enjoyed? You know, for the first time, I think, in our country's history, we, we have lost a few freedoms over the last couple years, and we did not handle it well. Can I just say that out loud? Anybody in agreement there? Some of you are like, no, we did fine. The riots were nothing. It's fine. You know, it's just craziness that's been going on here in our country. Listen, it's loss. And when we experience loss, we feel that and we mourn for it. So mourning is, creates in us a feeling or a sense of loss. Okay, so that's what mourning is. So how do we come to the point where we can be happy, where we can be blessed, we can be joyful in the middle of this loss, whether it's a big loss, such as the loss of a loved one, or, or maybe a marriage or a relationship that's gone, or whether it's something minor or trivial, um, something that we lost and we know we'll find again, but it just escapes us. How do we get through that? Well, I think the answer is, again, in the text of Scripture, and it comes at the end of verse 4. If you look there, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be what? comforted. Some of you are still awake, happy about that. There we go. Um, those, for you will be comforted. Now, if we jump into that word that, that is translated as comfort, it's in the passive sense, and I'm not going to get into the particulars, but the way it's in the, the scripture, it's literally to be translated, be comforted. It's a passive word, something that is to be done to you or for you. Now, if you go to the root, though, the root word is kind of a little bit different. 
The root word of that literally means to call someone alongside of you or to ask someone for help or or to ask somebody who has gone or who has been in the situation before to come alongside of you and help you. And so as we look at this word, it, it means something a little bit different in that self. It's a call for help, a cry for help. So when you kind of take the root meaning of the word and the way that it's translated, Present form in that in that passive form, you get the that it's that it's us being sure that help will come because we have asked for it and because we can trust the one who has delivered it. I, I think I want to share with you a, a, just kind of a psalm from the life of David to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about because King David from the Old Testament experienced a lot of loss in his life. If you don't know who David is, you should really go read in First and Second Samuel. The story of his life is fascinating. In fact, it reads like a novel. David was a young shepherd boy who, who killed Goliath, and because of that, he caught the attention of the then king of the time, uh, King Saul. King Saul then invited David to come into his household. He invited David to sit in his court, and David would play the harp and soothe Saul's bad attitude most of the time. Uh, The Bible says that Saul was troubled by demons, and, and David would come and he would play his harp, and it would make everything better. Well, after a little while, Saul became jealous of David. And basically the story of David's life became that, that Saul was so jealous of David and so a kingdom that Saul ends up chasing David around for years trying to kill him and literally destroys his own throne, his own kingship by, by chasing David around. Well, in the midst of that and even throughout his life, David experienced a ton of loss. But David lived through all of that. And actually is called by the scripture a man after God's own heart. I don't know about you, but I would love to have that on my tombstone. He was a person, a man, a woman, whatever, after God's own heart. David lived closer to the Savior than anybody else who ever lived, in my opinion, other than Jesus himself. And and he lived such a close relationship with God, and yet even he experienced loss. For instance, when David came into Saul's household, he met Saul's son Jonathan, who became his best friend. David and Jonathan were inseparable. They did everything together. And in the process of Saul betraying David, Jonathan had to make a choice. And there even against his own father. That's how close they were. And yet because of one of Saul's horrible decisions in battle, Jonathan lost his life. And David had to mourn the loss of his best friend. David... Also, when he came into the court, was given a wife from Saul's family. Uh, One of Saul's daughters married him. And and at the time when Saul became jealous of David, he took her back. He actually removed her from David's household and, and gave her in marriage to another person. Now, if you're like me, you hate the fact that that was even something. Again, I'm just describing their time. I'm not advocating for it, certainly. But David lost his wife in that process. Don't think for a moment, that he didn't mourn that loss. David lost a child later in his life. He had um, done one of the only things we we see David in his life that he did wrong is he had an adulterous affair with a married woman, and out of that affair came a child. And that child was taken from them in death, and, and David had to mourn the loss of that child. And he even, later in his life, he lost his kingdom. And one of his kids rose up against him and stole the throne, even for a short time. But imagine the loss he must have felt. Not only losing his kingdom, but it was one of his own children 
that did it. This is a guy who understood mourning. He understood grief. He understood loss. And in the Psalms, we have all these examples where David wrote down his grief on paper for us. And I want to read you one of them because I think this will help us even today. Psalm 13 is one of my favorite laments. That's what writing down your grief or, or crying it out is called. It's called a lament. In Psalm 13, 1 through 6, listen to this, this lament. O Lord, David said, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? You ever thought that way? You ever asked God that question? Lord, where are you at? Have you forgot about me completely? How long will you look the other way, he says? How long must I struggle? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust you in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Now, look at those last few lines with me. He makes this abrupt turn right in the middle of right. He turns to, I trust you. I trust in your unfailing love. And then he says this, I will rejoice because because you have rescued me. Not you will rescue me. You have already rescued me. Look at what he goes on to say. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Not he will be once my problem is solved, but he is already good to me. Listen, David understands that even in the midst of the darkest times of his life, that that God is waiting for him to call out to him. And when he calls out to the unfailing love of his heavenly father, God will answer because he's seen it in the past. He knows it will happen. I love how David in this scripture is so honest with God. Wouldn't it be great if we were all honest, as honest with each other as David was with God? He literally lays it out there. Oh God, why haven't you heard from me? Why haven't you said anything? Why haven't you done anything? Man, I hope that someday each and every one of us can get to the point where our relationship with God is that honest where we can just tell him what we think. Now, now in the middle of this, it gets a little crazy. Because David says something, he says, turn and answer me, O Lord. How many of you have ever said to your kids, now you turn and look at me when I'm talking to you. You ever said that? Almost sounds like David saying that to God. And you start wondering, is the Here's what I believe. I believe that God would rather have an honest cry from us than all the pandering in the world. He knows your heart anyway, doesn't he? He's the only one who does. Sometimes he knows it better than you do. So we might as well be honest with him. David starts out by being incredibly honest about his feelings with God. He just lays it all out there and says, God, I don't feel like you hear me. I don't feel like you're present. But then there's this abrupt turn where he confesses and he says, I trust in your unfailing love. The, the Hebrew word is hased. We, we talk about it all the time. It's this word that's mysterious to us today. We can't even comprehend what it means because it literally describes the love of a God that would continue to come after uh, Israel even though they rebelled. It continued to pursue the prophets even though they rebelled. He pr- continued to pursue David even though David did dumb things. It's this unbelievable love of a God that never stops, that never quits chasing. Uh, the the um, reckless love, if you want to go with a modern song and 
analogy. It's that, that love that kicks down the door and won't let you stay away. Because of that love, David says, I know that you're with me. It's because of the steadfast love of God that we can have a steadfast faith when we call upon the Lord and know that he will be there and that he will answer. Often lament questions God, but, but when we're open and honest with God and lament, then I believe that when we cry to him, he will answer. As we learn to trust God's unfailing love, then we will be able to suffer loss and mourn some of the things that we have lost in our lives and feel a deep sense of happiness and joy at the very same time. And some of you have felt this. I've talked to some of you as I've done funerals. who is very obviously grieving the loss, and yet you ask them how they're doing, and they'll say what? Something to the effect of, listen, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You ever heard that? It's scripture. And you know what? Sometimes we say it, and we're not being honest. I'll I'll give you that. But when a believer is able to say that with honesty, that tells me that they have learned how to mourn with happiness. Blessed are they that mourn. Listen, All of this is leading to this. What have you lost? To evaluate how Pastor Jeff's doing. This is not time to look around you and think what everybody else needs to hear from this. This is a time I want you to to think about yourself. What have you lost recently? What are you mourning? What has left a hole in your life? Is it a relationship? Is it a, a job? Is it financial security? Is it something trivial that you'd be ashamed or embarrassed maybe to even tell somebody else and yet it's causing you grief and mourning on the inside? Friends, I don't believe God asked me to speak from this series because nobody needed to hear this. There's got to be somebody here that needs to hear this today. What, what have you lost and what are you mourning? Whatever you are mourning, whatever you're afraid of losing and, it, and it's causing you to mourn, I believe that that no matter how big that hole is that has been left in your life by that thing, our Heavenly Father will be there to fill that void if you will allow Him to. But I think it begins with, with some steps. And again, they're simply this. Be honest with God about your loss. God already knows how you're feeling. Just go ahead and tell him. Because if you can tell him, you can get it out. It's cathartic. It's, it's kind of one of those processes, psychologi- processes psychologists talk about that none of us really want to do. But it's helpful. Tell God the truth. Be honest with him. Ask him the questions that are on your heart. But don't be afraid of the answers. Because let me tell you something. If you ask not be the ones you want but you've got to trust him and as you learn how to do this and as you continue to do this your your trust in him will grow and then finally trust him that that comfort is coming and rejoice even before it comes now this is important but not for the reason some of you may think it is there there are people who teach that you should you know when you ask god for instance to heal someone that you should go ahead and rejoice as if it's happened and that somehow that manipulates god into having to do it i don't believe that but i do believe this That if we can ask God to heal us or ask God for comfort or ask God for healing, whatever it might be, and then praise him as if it happened, that that shows that we have faith and trust that even if he chooses to do it not in the way that we think he should, that it's still going to be okay. It shows our faith and our trust in God to handle the situation quite the way that we want to. 
Listen, I have many times in my life asked God for things in, in a process of mourning. I begged him not to let my mom die of cancer too early. I begged him not to let my dad die. I begged him for a lot of things. And, and you know what? He has not always answered my prayer the way that I wanted him to. But I can honestly say this. When I was honest with him and asked the right questions, the answers that I've received have made it okay. And life goes on. And not just any life, but a life that is blessed. A happy life filled with joy that is not dependent on the circumstances. Friends, we need this today. Because what I see in our society and in our culture is people who are being rocked by every little thing that happens. And you know what they do? They lash out at other people. They go to depression. They, they go to drugs. They grow to alcohol. They, they go to anything they can to try to make them feel better. And you know what? The answer is right here before us. Blessed are for they will be comforted. Would you pray with me as, as I pray for you? And I, I hope that you, as I pray for you, will pray for me. God, I, I thank you for allowing us to come together today on this Sunday morning. And it would be awesome if we could just look out across this group and say, I, I don't think anybody here has anything to mourn about. That would be incredible. But I, I know humanity well enough to know that probably there's quite a few here that has been left by something that they've lost. And that causes us to mourn. I pray, God, that you would help each and every one of us to be able to recognize when that happens and, and be honest with you about what we need from that. Lord, help us to never be afraid to ask for your help, to ask for your presence, to ask for your comfort. Because according to the scripture, I believe that the promise is certainly there that when we cry out to you, you are already willing to come. You're already ready to help us and to be there to walk through these difficult times with us. Father, I, as I look at faces in this audience, I can see some people who, who very obviously have been through this process many times. And, and when you talk about this, they have this look of confidence that says, I know the, the unbelievable grace and, and mercy of God, the unmerited favor of God. I've seen him at work in my life, even when I didn't deserve it. And I thank you and praise you for that, God. But there are others sitting here that may not be quite so sure or maybe have not seen your grace see them through a difficult time yet. And I pray that you would give them the courage to cast all of their cares on you, as Scripture says, so that you can care for them. Lord, whatever we're mourning, whatever we're grieving today, help us not to grieve as those who do not have hope. For we serve a good God, a powerful God, a God whose unbelievable love and mercy know we have over and over again turned our backs on you. Lord, I believe that every person here has the potential and the capability of living a blessed life. And not just in the happy Instagram kind of way, but in the truest sense of the word. And that's what I, I wish for these people before me. In Jesus' name. Amen.